Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. And I remember sitting in those meetings with these people who were wanting to pontificate and going, well, we ought to do this. And I finally looked at them and said, when's the last time anybody here actually slapped a pair of handcuffs on somebody? <laughs> oh, that's it. I mean, we, we, yeah, we've kind of joked about it. You know, some of these people that have promoted, I mean, they need a GPS to tell them where the jail's at. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, dude, they've never taken somebody to jail. And here they are trying to tell officers how to do a case or what to do. And, you know, just as you're talking about, you know, part of that Nibin stuff. And I was at a, uh, a conference taught by DOJ. I can't remember. I think I might've been down in Florida, New Orleans or something like that. And there was an analyst up there for the DOJ that was sitting here talking street gangs and was like spitting all this out and showing all these pictures. I'm like, this person has never dealt with a gang member in their life ever, <laughs> you know, and they're up here just acting like they know it all. And I'm like, man, you're, you're, you're an academic, you know, that's what you are. You've never dealt with one of these people before personally in your own life. And it was just kind of funny. Yeah. We used to call them one-week wonders. Somebody go off to training for a week, they come back, and all of a sudden now they're the expert on everything. Oh, I'm yeah. going to tell you how to do this. Well, mm-hmm. I, you know what I go back to? Do you remember that uh, Clint Eastwood movie, um, The Gauntlet, where Tyne Daly was his, uh, got assigned to him as the police detective? Uh-huh. And he says, well, maybe you'll regale us with your you know, most important felony arrest. Well, well I've never made a felony arrest. Well, maybe this. And so it's kind of like by the time you get done, you realize – uh, you know, nobody's really done the work, but yet everybody wants to, you know, come in and be the expert. But that being said, you get sergeant, you're working this stuff. So um, while you were on the street, um, you ran into a lot of stuff. What's the story that sticks with you the most out of your time on Tulsa PD? You know, either an unresolved case or one that really touched you or one that was just, you know, made you crap your shorts? Um. <sighs> You know, you, you kind of get asked that type of question. What's the one that sticks out? What's the scariest? You know, those type of things. And it's hard to hit one, you know, when you've had a, a lengthy career that's, you know, in my eyes, productive and busy. But, you know, some of the ones that have really stuck was, um, you know, we had a, a, even though I was in the gang unit, we had this this guy that was a serial rapist here in Tulsa and he, and he was targeting elderly women. Um, and DNA was even left on several scenes and he had no felony criminal history at the time. You know, nobody couldn't find it. And he was hitting multiple people, you know, women. Um, and so because of the severity of the crime and that this thing kept happening, you had basically all the specialty units were activated. So we were all, you know, we weren't doing gang, you know, patrols at all. We were out overnight saturating areas where they thought possibly this person could hit, Um, you know, and and so that's to have true victims of crime like that, you know, to, to be a part of cases, investigations going after just pure evil. Um, you know, those type of ones, you know, stick out. There was a a case that, uh, again, I was just on the, the outside of it. I wasn't directly, you know, involved in the investigation and the apprehension. We had a, a guy that had kidnapped a young girl, um, you know, a neighbor and had, 
assaulted and, and killed her um, and dumped her in a dumpster, you know, and, and just working on that type of case with those. So many of the gang murders shootings have been a part of because a lot of these guys that are involved in the gang world. They're bad guys um, per se, but they're not evil. Um, you know, a large percentage of them, if they grew up in a different part of the city, had both parents home, they wouldn't have been the, the bad guys that they are. And so, you know, you kind of get to know these kids as they're growing up, um, even though you're arresting them or stopping them and, you know, you know, dealing with them, they're running their mouths. It's, it's not personal. And so you see them as they get older, when one of them ends up the victim of a murder or something like that, you're like, damn, man, I just ran into this dude last week. You know, that type of stuff. You know, you hate seeing those things because a lot of these guys, you almost develop this respectful relationship, you know, even though you're the police, they're the the gangster out there doing what they do. So those are the type of stuff that just kind of stick with you through the career. And it's, it's funny. You just asked and I'm kind of rambling, but one of the guys in my squad, uh, a guy named Justin Beal just texted me maybe an hour before we hopped on here tonight. And he was driving through this intersection, at a street called Apache and Lewis. He's like, man, every time I drive through here, I just think of our last pursuit together. And it was right before I retired. We were up on a T3, a wire on uh, on this gangster guy. And he had called another gang member to, and to tell him, hey, I know where this other gang member is at. I'm going to come get those guns because he was going to go murder them. And, you know, anytime you're on a wire, you can let dope walk all day. But if you're listening to wire and there's an act of violence, you know, I mean, you guys know you have to intervene. Um, and so we have to jump in. So Justin and I happen to be riding that together. And one of our undercovers spots this suspect just as he's pulling away from the house where we knew he was going to pick up the guns and we get in this long chase with him. And what was so funny is because we're on this act of wire with the guy. And during the pursuit, the wire room comes on the radio and says, He's heading back to the house to throw the guns out. And so we had le- <laughs> later, we, we, we later listened to the tape and he's, he's, uh, the street name for this guy was Savage. I'll just say that. And he's, he's driving and he, the street name of the guy that he was going back to, his street name was Pooh. And, um, that's a respectable total, name. <laughs> well, total side story. Pooh got shot and killed by the police later. I'll put it that way. Um, but and Savage is in federal prison right now. But so Savage, we're in this pursuit and uh, we listen to the tape and he calls Pooh and he's like, man, they chasing me. They chasing me. I'm gonna come by the house and throw these things out. I'm throwing them out. You got to get them. He's like, who's chasing you? He's like, the laws, the laws are chasing me. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so we get on the radio. We're like, hey, we need officers to head back over to this house. He's coming by. He's going to throw the guns out. And of course, you know, if you're on a T3, unless you've been minimized, which is just all of us in our gang unit, you know, the patrol officers have no idea we're on this wire. Um, and so, you know, here we are advising on the radio, we need to, you need to go to this house. He's going to be throwing guns out here in a couple minutes. And they're like, how the hell do you guys know all this? Man, that is you know, some that, fancy detective shit. You can read. Yeah. Mine. I'm like, Hey man, yeah, I got, I got good informants out here, buddy. <laughs> so anyway, so Savage throws these guns out and one of them hits and the magazine falls apart in pieces everywhere. Pooh grabs one of the guns, runs back in the house. Uh, we hold the house. We type a search warrant. Pooh's already an ex-con. We catch him with several guns inside and Savage ends up crashing. And then his car, after he bails out and runs, drives through a whole shopping center and crashes in through a building. And so Justin, anyways, was just driving through that intersection tonight. And that was, you know, my very last pursuit as an officer and or as a super, you know, on the department. So uh, just stuff like that, man. You know, you kind of just uh, you, I, I miss it. I mean, I miss chasing bad guys. So it was fun, though. I'm glad I did it.
Hey, before we talk about what you're doing now, there's one thing I want to go back in time because I've um, I have a personal connection to this case too. But it was the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, where were you? Um, at the time, uh, I was still in college. So okay. that happened, you know, just before my time getting um, getting on the police department. So yeah, yeah, that happened in April of '95, and you got on when? Uh, January of '97. Okay. Yeah, Sticks yep. is not as old as he looks. No, no, you're, yeah. You're looking yeah. good, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. Hey, hey bourbon. Bourbon, 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 bourbon. That's bourbon it. Bourbon is the... You'll, you'll be pickled before long. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's what keeps him looking so young. Well, that's hey, right. So let, let's kind of transition now into uh, you've had this you've had this life of law enforcement. Now, how the hell do you go from being a Tulsa street cop? You know, and I know Sylvester Stallone came out and made a whole oh. series about Tulsa King. So I, I get yeah. it, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's us. We got the mafia here in Tulsa. We got the mafia. Yeah, Sylvester. You know. But how did how did when did this whole thing with television and um and I got to tell you too, one of the biggest mistakes um they made was canceling live PD. I know it was all during 100%. the George Floyd stuff, yeah. everything. I'm mean, quite a huge mistake. That was, if I remember right, that was the biggest show on the channel at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually the number one cable television show every Friday and Saturday. And for two years in a row, it was the number one DVR television show out of all the TV. Um, you know, tremendous success. Um, cable television is called linear TV. That's the word in the, in the industry. And, Linear television, because everybody is going to streaming, everybody's got a phone, they can watch things now. Just linear television is declining. It still is to this day. Every quarter, the numbers come out. It's still going down. But because of live PD, uh, A&E was one of two networks that actually was still holding its own and, and producing viewership as opposed to declining. And it was because of that show. Um, and when they pulled that show, their network severely, severely suffered you know, financially viewership protesting, essentially people just refuse to watch it for any of their shows. And, and uh, you're not going to get it back either. A lot of these folks are not going to come back. Um, no. Well, and so live PD is, um, a similar show. I will say that is now called on patrol live. Um, same production company, um, uh, same people involved, including speaking myself. Speaking of lawsuits, I heard A&E got their knickers in a twist because they were trying to shut you down and keep you from doing On Patrol Live. That is correct. So it's active. It's, you know, kind of the way I refer to it. It's kind of one of those that have a boyfriend's like, hey, if I can't have you, nobody can to his girl, you know? Sounds a little Alfred um, Hitchcockian, you know, like, a, you know, psycho type of thing. Yeah, that's it. I mean, hey, you know, my personal opinion is they, they made the decision to take it off the air. They made a decision not to bring it back. And another network was willing to do it under, you know, a new name, a little things, you know, slightly different. Um, the viewers wanted it. And, and so Reels, a smaller cable channel, took it and it skyrocketed Reels. You know, they went from this little teeny. I used to see them on the web, you know, find a few weird shows and whatever That's else. It. Now they're yeah. a legitimate uh, thing. Now they're a little legitimate deal. So it, it's you know, transform their network into a, uh, to a bigger one. And it's still on. So it's live every Friday and Saturday. They're on reels and Peacock has now picked it up. So you can, you know, if you have, somebody has Peacock, they can stream it and watch it live on Friday and Saturday, or even watch previous episodes. Are you still on the show? I am. Um, yes and no. So I cut back, um, back in July. So the July was the one year mark that the show came back. Love the show, love everybody that works on the show. I don't have the, the rumors that are out there on why I haven't been there are hilarious. Um, there's no contractual dispute. Um, I'm very, very satisfied and happy. I have another show now for Fox Nation for Fox News that I do on my own. It has nothing to do with me being there. Um, it's just the show's 48 weeks a year live, and 
you know, that, that means 48 weeks. I traveled from Tulsa to New York. Um, I did that for several years as part of live PD. I have paid well. Uh, they take very good care of me, but I got remarried and I turned, you know, I, I turned 50 here in a couple weeks. Um, my father had a massive heart attack last year. He's still alive, but it was just kind of like one of those eye opening things. Like, man, I retired from my police job. And you're working harder now than you did probably on the job. Yeah. You know, it, yes and no. Um, but it's, there's a book that I read called die with zero kind of around the same time. And it's basically in, in a nutshell, it's like everybody grinds and grinds because they think they need to get to this point in their life. And, you know, let's say you age 65, I need to have a million dollars in the bank or whatever it is. And you get to that point in life, but between ages 25 and 65, because you didn't want to, you know, you wanted to work to save money for later in life. And when you get to later in life, we know the statistics, especially for people in our profession, law enforcement, we, we have a tendency to not last as long. And so you've got this money in the bank and you either die early or the friends that you wanted to do things with, they're no longer around. Um, you physically can't do things because you're just older. And so it was kind of like, man, I'm still healthy. Um, you know, I've been fortunate financially and I'm still young enough to kind of enjoy life. And so I didn't want to miss weddings and college football games and, you know, birthday trips, friends were having things like that. So I took some time off from the show back in July. Um, and I'll be there kind of off and on. Um, you know, I, I went two weeks ago it was the first time I've been there since July and I'll do, I'll do some more back after the first of the year. So I'm still part of the show. I'm just not full time. Yeah. For a year and a half, I was a technical advisor for America's Most Wanted, where you, you and I talked about, you know, doing how to capture yep. fugitives, how to create a system. And that was them. They were 48, 48 weeks a year. I yep. mean, every and every show was like its own little project. You had you to start close over. the books on it, and then you start over again the next week. Everything's got a budget. Everything's got a number assigned to it. And got to hit your And I felt sorry for them. I mean, it was good money. Um, no, that's it. It's good money. I'm fortunate to have the job and you know, it's but 48 it, weeks a year of flying back. I mean, you get the frequent flyer points, right? But I can tell you, you get it all, a man. lot too, yeah. man. It's just, yeah. it's a grind. It is. It is. And like I said, you know, I got remarried, um, in, in my January of, uh, 21 or sorry, January of 22. And, you know, it was just, we get married and a couple months later, all of a sudden, boom, every weekend we're on, we're, we're go, you know, and she went with me. She never complained or anything like that, but it was just like, man, let's kind of slow things down a little bit and kind of enjoy. And so this fall, I've done a bunch of that. I mean, I've gone to college football games that I haven't got to go to in six, Who's seven your years. College wise. Uh, oh, Oklahoma Sooners. You okay. know, I went down to, yeah, I took my kids to the OU Texas game this year. I was giving you been. one more shot to say, you know, something else like, you know. No, no, uh, man. What are, you, what are you, a Wildcat or a Jayhawk? Oh, well, no, no, no. I, I tell you, I give props to Kansas this year. I'm a, my, my uh, youngest son graduated from Kansas State. So, yeah. and I grew up not too far from uh, K State, a little town called Chapman. Um, back when we used to call them the Mildcats before they became the Wildcats. Wildcats Bill Snyder, yeah. but, hey, look, you got to give props. You had two, seven, and three teams coming in, both nationally ranked. Uh, but yeah, I'm a Wildcat fan, but I did my graduate work at Notre Dame. My dad taught ROTC during the days of Joe Thiesman before it was Thiesman and Eric Parsegan. Yeah. So <laughs> watching the Golden Dome, baby, go Irish. And I know Murph, Murph's got to get in. Go Mountaineers or go Dogs. Which one is it? Go ahead. Just pick one. Pick one. Well, go oh. Mountaineers because that's Big 12, but go Dogs. Go Dogs. You go Dogs. Yeah. Hey, Georgia's for real, man. <laughs> oh, they're kicking butt. Oh, they man. are. They well, are for real. They went back up in the rankings, too. They went down. Ohio or it was uh, Ohio State came up, and now they, they, they did really well. And so now Georgia's back up into the number one position in the polls, but we'll see. 
Yeah, well, this week you got what Ohio State and Michigan, I think. This oh, week, well, so well, yeah. undefeated. Harbaugh. We'll see yeah, how know, it works without being able to steal the other team's signals. Yep, yep. <laughs> allegedly, well, no, allegedly, no, there's no allegedly with Harbaugh. Come on, that's a throwdown. Hey, but but we kind of jumped into it, but without really understanding. How did you get involved in in the TV stuff? Where did that come about from? Um, back in so the show actually went on the air in 2016, and I want to say it was maybe 2013 ish, 20. 12, somewhere around there. Um, I, I always open this up by saying I've never had a desire to be in television. Um, I have no artistic talents. I didn't do drama, anything like that. I mean, I was a, a jock in high school. I didn't have any social media before this. So I wasn't caught up in the social media aspect of, of that world. Um, but supervising our gang unit, my captain at the time had just forwarded me an email that had come through our department. And there was this really small production company out of New Jersey that was wanting to try and do a show featuring gang units. And they wanted to feature large departments, medium-sized departments, and like small rural areas. And so a large department would have been like L.A. or Houston, Chicago. Tulsa would have fallen into the medium. And then, you know, some of your smaller areas for, um, you know, the small department. And so he was like, hey, man, why don't you respond back and take a look into this? So I responded back. The production company um, came here to Tulsa, rode with us for 24 hours. And again, I knew nothing about TV, but what they basically do is they get a small uh, batch of money together to produce what's called a sizzle. And it's basically like a pilot episode. And then they, they form their pilot episode or their sizzle. Then they try to take it out to networks and various networks get to see the sizzle, the idea of the show. And then the networks, you know, if somebody's in, they go, hey, we'll, we'll we'll do six episodes. And then they give you a budget for six. If the ratings are good, then the network goes, hey, we'll do 12 more episodes. Hey, we'll do. And that's just how it goes. So they want to do a show called Jump Out Boys featuring gang units. Um, they came to Tulsa, rode around with us. It was a wild 24 hours. And, uh, you know, it's, we were very, very active, coincidentally, when they were with us. I mean, we you know, had a car chase guy threw a Mac 10 out. Um, like another guy had a bunch of dope on him. We were on a search warrant for a shooting suspect. And while we're there, we hear, hear shots fired. This is like at nine o'clock in the morning. So we drive around the corner to this apartment complex. And there was a woman laying in the parking lot shot right in her forehead. You were the first people there with the camera crew before the call had even come in. Wow. And, uh, so these guys were just like, dude, this shit is wild in Tulsa. We're like, yeah, this is us every day. You know, this is how we do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is how we roll. Tulsa, this, is just, yeah, this is slow yeah, this day. Is yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so they try to take this, this sizzle out and they show it to a bunch of networks and nobody bid on it. Nobody wanted it. They said, man, this is, it's great, but it's just like cops, which was already on television, but it's just ganging. It's the same concept. And so it never went anywhere. Fast forward up until the summer of 2016, the owner of the production company and one of his uh, guys, they reach back out and they're like, hey, we've got this new technology that allows us to basically live stream um, from various locations around around the country and throw it up on the air. And it was basically described kind of like NFL Red Zone. And, you know, there, there's a studio that's talking about all these different games that are going on. And that's kind of what Live PD is or, or On Patrol Live, those shows. You've got a studio. And all these live videos are coming in. You're just discussing and bouncing around to the different things that are going. Um, and so they're like, hey, we're going to give this a shot. You guys interested? My department was like, sure. And so the show originally had six departments for two hours on Friday nights. And that was it. And 
After about two to three weeks, the ratings just started building for them. Then they're like, hey, we want to try three hours on Friday. So it went to a third hour. Then they're like, man, we want to see what a Saturday's like. And it went to Saturday, and then it was just a full-time deal. And so they rode with me in Tulsa, and our contract, every department signs a contract for a certain number of episodes with the show. Our contract was up. They had never actually had an officer as a guest in studio. And so they invited me to come be a guest in studio, and I'd never been in New York. I was like, hell yeah, I'll come to New York. Who was handling the desk duties up until then? Um, at the time, it was Dan Abrams, still the host. You know, he was he's always been the host. Um, they had a couple guys that were retired Dallas PD officers that were on in the very beginning. And it didn't work, um, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's the viewers or the the, the production side of it, it just didn't work. Um, and then it was Dan Abrams kind of rotating with a handful of different people trying it out. And they actually ended up with Tom Morris on there who worked on America's Most Wanted. Um, yeah, I remember Tom, and he, yeah. Yeah, and so Tom ended up getting the gig, and it worked with with Dan and Tom, and it was just the two of them for a few weeks. Um, I went up there, as I said, as a guest for whatever uh, reason it was kind of they describe it like lightning in the bottle the chemistry with the three of us on there just it just clicked and they hit me up to come back a second week went back up there a second week um, and both of those were you know they covered all the expenses and travel and hotel and dinners and things like that but I was taking a vacation day every Friday from the job to be up there and about two weeks after that they're like hey man we want to have you up here again and I was like hey guys I love you know going to New York but I'm burning time and I'm a single dad taking time away from my, my son who's in high school. And I was like, I need to get paid for this. And we figured out a number that worked for me to make it worth my time. And the rest was kind of history, you know, how it just built from there. So how so, many episodes were you on? Hundreds, hundreds. I mean, we went off the air episode 299 for Live PD. Um, and so you count the ones where they, they were rolling with me and my time in studio. I'm going to guess I was probably on air. 250 or so for, for, for live PD. So when you worked out this number, did that mean that you just still took the day off? You took a day off without pay and they come. So you were down to four days a week or whatever. Right. And then Friday was just no pay. That's it. So my regular work schedule in the gang unit was Monday through Friday. And I, what I ended up doing was working Monday through Thursday. I got off work on Thursdays at four, um, caught a five 30 flight from here to New York. And there's not a direct flight from Tulsa to New York. There's not a direct flight much to any life. I, <laughs> I can get from Tulsa to Dallas direct. You yeah. know, that's about it. Um, but yeah, so got to, to to New York and I'd get into my hotel anytime between typically 12 and 1 and uh, do the show Friday, Saturday and fly back the first flight home Sunday morning and got home and, you know, cut the yard, did laundry, grocery shop, make sure my son had his homework or whatever needed to be done to start the week. And so you're just back to plain old sticks when you hit Monday, right? That was it, man. And yeah, and that was one thing, even with the guys in my squad, you know, I, even though I kind of got this very incredible opportunity and was thrust out there the way it was, um, you know, I always made sure that when I came to work on Monday, man, it was just one of the dudes I was there, you know, I, I still kicking doors, still, you know, whatever you may, whatever it was. I mean, I was just a regular guy. Were they giving you crap though? Like asking for your autograph oh, you and showing know they up were. shades and everything? <laughs> So the, my squad itself wasn't, they were always, you know, they never were, they, if anything, they're my man, how was a show this weekend? That was kind of the extent of it. Um, but other people on the department, you know, especially guys you worked with previously or somebody in your academy, you know, you, you just don't see them regularly. 
And so you would run into somebody and you t- the same thing. It was like, Hey, what's up Hollywood? Or where's your entourage at? You know, that type of stuff, but it was all for fun. And, um, I say this very humbly, 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 humbly. We got you. Um, you know, I, I worked hard throughout my career and it wasn't, I, I knew there was nobody that could say, man, he's just, you know, he shouldn't be there. He's just lucky. He, you know, he doesn't, you know, whatever you want to add there, anybody that knew me or worked around me knew, man, that, you know, I did the job and, you know, had a reason to be there. I mean, I took advantage of an opportunity. Absolutely. But it wasn't like I was a five-year person that, you know, never arrested somebody, you know, that type of deal and, and ended up in a very lucky position. Yeah. yeah. I, you, you paid your dues. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word I'm trying to get to. Thank you. That's what I love. Yeah. If you want to sing the blues, you got to pay your dues and you know, it don't come easy. You paid your dues. That's man. Right. You work the street. So, Hey, so give us an example. Um, because you know, watching it, it was like, you know, the, the, every now and then there's like, <laughs> you know how it goes. Some, some weekends it's like, you got stuff going on. It's like call to call to call. And then the other ones is like, dude, is anything happening? Are we going to have to go out and start our own shit? So what's the process for when you come in? How, tell us, give us the kind of the behind the scenes. How does the show work as you're trying to prep for all of these different locations? And I still see today with On Patrol Live, you'll say, hey, coming up this week, and you'll see the right. cast of characters and stuff. How do you, I mean, when you were doing this, how do you prep for a show like that when you don't have any idea what's going to go on? Well, first of all, just as you were saying, how some nights were just slammed nonstop and other nights were very slow. That's the job. You know, I mean, you guys were, you wore the uniform as well. I mean, that's, that's part of being a cop. Um, there's some days where just from the time it could be a rainy Tuesday and you come out of squad meeting, it is nonstop that whole night. And you have a Friday night where it's 85 degrees and you think it's going to be popping. It just, nothing happens. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, so basically, you know, now they have eight departments, sometimes nine on every weekend, the departments themselves, they select the officers that are part of the show. The show does not select it. The, the, the show cannot, out in the field, the, the officers that are on the show from each department, in the car, they've got a camera operator, and some of them have a camera operator and a field producer. The cameraman, the field producer, they can't say, hey, man, you see that car over there? Let's go stop that car. What's that call? Can we go to that call? They have they they can't do any of that. All they do is just document what the officer's doing. Um, you know, what the call is, what the car stop is. That's all they do. And so when we come in on Fridays, we have a pre-production meeting that kind of lays out like, Hey, here's all the officers that are we're with tonight. Here's the departments. And they might say something like, and I'll use Daytona beach for an example and on patrol, you know, down in Daytona, they have truck week, motorcycle week. They have all these different things throughout the year. And so they might go in the production meeting um, you know, the person running it will say, Hey, this week down in, you know, this weekend in Daytona, they're having motorcycle week. So, you know, the officers are going to be down there patrolling that area, or they might say, you know, over here in this particular area, they're working a DUI checkpoint tonight. So we might be some seeing some of that. And that's, that's kind of the extent of it. Now the camera crews roll with these departments all week long. You know, they put the camera crews are putting in 40 hour work week. So they're working other nights. And they record incidents that happened then. And, you know, sometimes it's funny stuff. Sometimes it's a car pursuit, you know, a, a good chase, whatever it may be. And then they make packages out of those that then during our show, if something is slower or there's something we just think, man, this is really good for the viewer to see. 
um, if we've got a kind of a dip in the show or an opportunity, they're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to show you something that happened earlier this week in Volusia County. And then they kind of drop that package in. Um, we get a lot of questions about why faces are sometimes blurred on the show and sometimes they're not. So when something is live on television, you have, and you're out in the public, you don't have an expectation of privacy. And so if you go watch a Notre Dame football game or a Georgia football game, and you're sitting in the stands and the camera pans the stands, you have no expectation of privacy. You're out in public. You can't tell them, hey, you can't show my face. And that's the same thing with this show. Um, Obviously, we can't go into homes. You know, they have to, they're very careful about what businesses they can go into and things like that. What about minors? Um, minors, the camera, what the, what they do is they basically, if they see somebody that they believe is a minor or if is identified as a minor, they make sure the camera will show, usually you'll see their feet or their legs or something like that, or the, their backs. You won't, you won't see their faces. Um, now does that happen every single time? No, cause it is a live show and you know, they might stop a car and the camera's up there. Some guy jumps out the car and takes off running and happens to be a 17 year old kid. You know, yeah, his face might get caught on camera, but, um, but they, 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 yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be a bad guy. Um, but the, the packages, because they're pre recorded, and then when I say edited, they're edited to fit, you know, a three and a half minute time frame. Um, those, they have to get consent from a person to show their face, whether it's a, a witness, a victim, a suspect. And so that's why sometimes those faces are blurred out. You know, and what people don't realize when they used to watch, remember the old days of cops? I remember, I'm old enough, I remember when cops first came out, you know, and you see these guys sure. in the wife beater t shirts. The reason said, how come they don't, you know, when they started doing it later, how, do, how come they don't blur their faces? Because these people signed releases. You, you, you'd it. be surprised how many people going to jail, getting maced, will sign a release just so they can say, that's me. That's me, Rufus. I was Absolutely. on TV. No, that's exactly it. These, so these packages, you know, when, we get to see the packages, um, you know, we're watching them there and you'll, you'll listen to it. It could be like, just like you said, somebody who's been sprayed, somebody, you get some of these people that get caught with, you know, a package that they get caught with a bunch of sex toys in their car or whatever it is. And they'll sign the release. You're like, this dude's in, what the heck? Why would you, you know, I would never sign my name to that. So your cat stretching in the background there. Yeah, that's, that's so my nut. My cats run this damn place. So I have one in my chair right now. We're in recording. Then we're doing this late at night. And then this other one, she gets jealous. So I have to put, you can't see it, but I have to put a special uh, cushion on this, on the desk for her so she can sleep next to me. Yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't run my life anymore. My life is run by three women, <laughs> you know, one, one <laughs> wife and two cats, friends. So, hey, so, um, um, so now let's talk about, um, what you're doing with Fox, because I really like the idea. I mean, and it's like, this was kind of a natural fit for you. So tell us about how this idea from Fox uh, Nation came about, because this one's streaming now. This one's a streaming uh, show. It is. It, yeah, it's streaming on Fox Nation. Um, our fingers are crossed that they're going to move it over to one of the other Fox channels that is on regular linear cable television. So um We've done, you know, put out one season of 12 episodes and we just renewed. We're going to, we're making 20 more here starting in January. But the production uh, company is actually Law and Crime, which is owned by Dan Abrams. So Dan Abrams Production Company actually came up with this idea for the show called Crime Cam. And, you know, they, I was very fortunate. They asked me if I would be interested in hosting it. And I was like, absolutely. 
And so um, they pitched it over to Fox Nation and they were on board with it. And um, it's called Crime Cam 24-7. It is not a law enforcement show per se, but it shows crime. So it's a what they call a clip show. It's everything that's caught on cell phones, dash cameras, home surveillance cameras, ring doorbells, um, even police body cam and things like that. So pretty much scour the internet and daily news to find um, crazy incidents of crime that are caught on tape. Some of them are funny. Some of them are, you know, put a lump in your throat when you're watching something happen. And I'm just essentially, uh, you know, the, the host, the talking head that kind of breaks down what's happening um, on each of these. And maybe one segment out of the five or six that are in a 30 minute episode is probably, you know, a police body cam type of incident. So it's not there to be like a cheerleader for police. It's just a show. Hey, this is the stuff that's going on here in our country. Everything's on, uh, you know, and that's the thing. Everything's too, caught. Everything's on camera. I mean, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the the ones that I honestly like the most are the ones where a citizen stands up for another citizen, you know, incidents that are caught on, on, on tape. And, um, you know, we've shown several of those that are just, I mean, I applaud the people that do it, you know, that, that are willing to step out there to go help somebody else, you know, that's a victim of a, especially a violent crime or something like that. And they get involved and, and intervene and stop it. So I think it's great that these things are shown out there. So, um, when this thing gets, when this thing's moves over to Fox, I mean, right now, do you do, are you doing the same thing you said, you know, before, are you hopping on a plane on a weekly basis and flying somewhere? No, the, the, the nice thing of this show is we can film six episodes in one day. Um, and wow. so I'll fly out there to New York and we do it on a Sunday. Um, and we can film six and we're going to try to see if we can even bump it up, maybe knock out seven, seven in a day. And it, it's nice. Cause you can, you know, I get all the clips ahead of time. Um, you know, myself and the producers, they will send me a script and then I'll kind of make adjustments to some things that are more in my words or more that I, you know, something I think just sounds, um, you know, because they're, they're, they weren't police officers. And I try to, you know, put something into more layman terms or more into police terms. And, um, you know, once they approve it, once Fox approves it, because it's, you know, their networks that are carrying it. Or, and uh, we'll get in there and bang them out, man. They do some post edit and kind of slap it all together and put a really, really good product out there. So as a scripted show, do they have a, they have the, the box that you read off of? Yes, okay. sir. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously on patrol live is live. It's just like us sitting here talking. I mean, there's not teleprompter stuff other than Dan Abrams, maybe kind of leading into one of those packages, you know, he's like, Hey, we want to show you something that happened here, blah, blah, blah. Everything else on there. Same thing as shoot from the hip and the teleprompter. I will say this, man, it is, it's not easy. We all know how to read. Um, you know, especially, you know, we read books typically, you know, silent in your head and, you know, whether you're reading something out loud, but to read something out loud, talking to a camera to try to make it sound like you're talking to people and make it sound natural. It is, it's, it's not easy. I mean, I'll just be very honest. It's not easy. And I'm not saying I'm good at it. I, I'm a lot better than when I first started, <laughs> uh, but it, it's not easy. And so when you watch people that do, you know, you're, you're, I'll just use Fox news. I've been on, you know, Fox and friends numerous times and some of their other shows, Gutfeld and some stuff like that. And so when you're there and you're watching them read the teleprompter and just how natural they sound, 
it's pretty impressive. It's an art for sure. So uh, you've been on Fox and Friends. I've been on there too. I don't know if you probably went on there more times than I have, but Steve Ducey, um, uh-huh. actually him and I grew up, we went to the same, uh, we were in the same league of high schools. So he went to a little town called Clay Center. I was in Chapman. So I didn't realize that until I was up in New York one time on Fox and Friends. And actually, I was on doing a live hit. And I said, well, us Kansas boys have to stick together. He said, where are you from? I said, Chapman. He goes, no kidding. Come to find out. He grew up. Well, his sister and my sister went to high school together because I think their parents were split up. But uh, Steve was in the uh, uh, school uh, in one of our league schools just about, you know, 40 minutes from my house. You know, didn't realize that growing up back in the day. What a small Small world. world. Hey, so what's so what's next for you? You got this going on. Um, what what in in the in a in a Sean Sticks Larkin, you know, perfect world. Uh, what does what does the next five years look like for you? Where, where would you like to see this go? Or what other things kind of ideas for projects do you have? You know, um, I'm honestly uh, the, the, this crime cam. I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be part of you know a group of networks to, without getting into all the politics of right and left and all that type of stuff, just a, a network as a whole that is supportive of this profession, um, that is supportive of men and women that, you know, choose to volunteer and join our military. Um, that, that type, I'm very happy to be a part of that and, and kind of show this type of show. So fingers crossed that the viewers will continue to, you know, enjoy this show and we can keep making more and more episodes. Um, I would like to, I like the work schedule of it. Not going to lie. It's, it's a lot nicer to, you know, bang out six or seven episodes on a Sunday and do some voiceover stuff, you know, at a later date that they can drop in that needs to be done. Um, and keep, you know, being a part of the, the on patrol family, um, just cause that's, you know, basically with Dan Abrams and that production company is, you know, how I got my feet into this incredible second career. Um, and honestly, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, um, I just got into golf. I'm a, I've become a golf addict. I never played golf in my life until about three years ago. So you I want to work talk on this about handicap. an expensive hobby besides collecting bourbon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to work on this uh, this little addictive ha- habit I have, hobby, um, and spend you know spend time with 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 family and friends. So that's uh, going going back to what I said earlier. Just I, I you know there's only so much time in life, man, and you got to kind of find that balance. And the, the the majority of my life up to this point's been really focused on career and work and I've loved every minute of it and I've needed to, to put food on the table and pay a mortgage and get my daughter through college and, you know, that type of stuff. But I'm in a place now where I can kind of put that on the back burner a little bit and enjoy, enjoy life a little more, do more podcasts. How's that jump on people's podcasts? Yeah, I'm skipping. Well, you know, I like what Steve Jobs said one time, um, you know, before he passed away, he said, but his goal wasn't to be the richest guy in the cemetery. That, that, that shouldn't be your goal is to be the richest guy in the cemetery. Hey, listen, I'm, and I, I'm, unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the author. I have no affiliation, but that book called Die With Zero, man, it it, it really is. It's kind of an eye-opener. It's very simple concept, uh, you know, when you kind of read it. And, you know, one of the things that really, you know, stuck out to me in it is it talks about compounding interest. You know, you put all this money into, into, into you know, your investments for compounding interest, and it, it does. It grows and grows throughout life. But it's like, man, if you create these memories, you know, with friends, with family and stuff, every time you look at pictures from a trip or talk to your buddies or relive, you know, you're, you're basically, that's your compound interest on, on activities and memories in life. Every time you re-talk about it or you pass it on to somebody else, um, you're reliving that. And it's like, man, if all you're doing is focusing on work, your, your time to have that type of 
compounding interest just kind of slowly is passing by. So well, Bill know, Perkins. I've been retired Bill now. Bill Perkins. For, there you go. There you go. Yep. I've been retired now for 10 years from, from law enforcement. And the worst part about retiring is losing that camaraderie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the you know the law enforcement culture is alive and well, regardless of what people say. You know, it's it's not a career; it's a lifestyle. It affects everybody in your family. But when you've got a job like you have, and like Morgan and I are doing things, you know, we we live vicariously through other law enforcement people. Whether you're speak, it. yeah speaking at a conference or doing a TV show or a documentary or whatever it might be. So you still get that camaraderie factor to a certain degree, not like it is when you're on the job, but it's certainly sure. it, it's not. You know, you you get addicted to it, and then you know you're not going cold turkey where you know you might just shrivel up and die. No, yeah, I think all three of us have obviously been very fortunate, both for the career we had, you know, what we had the badge on, as well as what we're doing afterwards for sure. And you know, the the numbers, you know, for the the, the men and women that get to do what we're doing are pretty low, and and so we're very very fortunate. Um, but something I try to t- when I would teach at the academy, you know, uh, every year. I taught this gang subculture class for four hours. That was my whole, you know, what I contributed to our police academy. But one of the things I try to tell those guys is like, hey, man, this is, you know, your friends are going to be part of this job and career and stuff like that. But when you leave, someone's going to fill your spot, you know, and don't let this be your identity. Um, You know, you've got to have something else beyond this, you know. And and like I said, for us, this is what, you know, what we have. And we're very fortunate to still be connected to the job like this. Um, but some guys, you know, they just get consumed with it. And once they, uh, they leave the job, you know, it's detrimental to them. And uh, I don't want that to be myself or, you know, anybody that's close to me either. Well, see, I've run around my neighborhood streaming, uh, crime cam. And I say, I know this guy, I know this guy. See, I know this guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Naked. I hope. Yeah. Well, he meant streaking. You or me? Wait a minute. You. (laughs) No. (laughs) He meant streaking, not streaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's not streaking, streaming, streaming. Yes. Yeah, I got you, got you. Yeah, yeah. We did that in college, not me, but uh, we did have somebody narrate it. They were on the back one of these little uh, gas-powered, you know, like mini bikes, holding a tape recorder, and the end of my freshman year in college, it was the great streak fest. So That's awesome. Anyway, mm. hey, man, well, look, um, first of all, this is us saluting you. Number one, thanks for keeping the streets Vice of Tulsa for- safe. Uh, and thank you. Look, you, you hit upon the head. You know what's what's not being done enough, and this is why I love. I've been associated with Fox since probably, I'd say, two thousand three, um, uh, doing a lot of stuff with those guys. I've been brought up to New York for like the elections and stuff. I just I love those guys to your point because they support law enforcement. They're unabashed about their support for Israel right yep. now, uh, our military, yep. and and the, and their faith too. They make no bones about where they stand on stuff. And but yep. I but I appreciate what you do for uh, keeping it real and showing the people that hey this is the, you know there are law enforcement professionals out there and it's a sad state of affairs to where back in my day when I when I got on the patrol, I mean there were sixteen positions open two thousand people applied now it's tough to get thirty oh. people to apply for sixteen positions. Mm-hmm. No, it is it's it's embarrassing. I mean it's uh, you know here in Tulsa just a year ago we canceled our first ever academy. You know it was fully funded and we didn't have enough qualified applicants and it was canceled and. Um, you know, and we could go on again to the politics. You look at, you know, Eric Adams there in New York, he's canceling the next five academies, not because of lack of qualification, because they need to make budget cuts and a hundred million they, in budget cuts. Yeah. My nephew, yeah. um, I've tried Crazy. to talk him out of it. He is, he graduated college. He's going to work for St. Paul PD. He hopes he's, uh, and I said, whatever you do, do not go to work in Minneapolis. You know, yep. Uh, yep. it just, no, it's, it's bad. 
Absolutely. It's bad. It's, it is. Well, and before we get out of here, I was just out in Nashville um, Thursday night. So Fox, again, I'm not like a cheerleader for Fox. I'm just appreciative of anybody out there that supports, like you were saying, this profession. Uh, they just had the Patriot Awards. Um, they were in Nashville, and I was very fortunate. I got to present an award to the author, to author James Patterson for uh, the Back the Blue Award for a book that he he just put out called Walk the Line. And wow, um, to, to, it was at the Grand Old Opry. Um, I was myself and Tyrus. I saw who was, I saw Pete Hegseth's huge. Cow- it did not. I'm sorry, that looked a little out of place on Pete, man. Yeah, that no, huge that, cowboy, that cowboy look. Yeah, cowboy hat, man, and the, 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 the he had the coat with the little yeah. embroidery on it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was just, it was there at the grand old Opry completely sold out. And I mean, they had, you know, uh, meet and greets outside. They had red carpet and to see, I say fans, but just supporters of, you know, again, men and women that are either police officers, first responders or, or military, uh, man, I mean, it, my daughter went and, and she bawled, you know, at different times at some of the awards that were presented and, you know, they had a 99 year old world war two uh, you know, vet that received an award there. And he was as sharp as us, how we're speaking. I mean, it was fantastic. And they had a 17 year old kid that since he was 10 years old, he's been to all 50 States putting flags on veterans tombstones. Yes. I mean, just, you know, in addition to, like I said, James Patterson for writing this book called walk the line about law enforcement. And they had three of the officers that were involved in the, uh, the Nashville active shooter, you know, that, that was there at the Christian school that, you know, shot and killed, you know, that they killed her. So it was just, you know, a combination of things and it's going to be back there again and, in, in uh, Nashville next year at the grand old Opry. And it was live that night, but they're, they're showing it again here on Thanksgiving day on Fox news. And so it's just, again, very fortunate to see that type of support from anybody out there. Um, you know, it's been tough for the last couple of years. So, you know, I got to, I had the honor of speaking at this year's uh, central Florida blue line gala, their annual fundraiser for the Orlando Police Foundation, and then it's also Orange County, Seminole County, and Osceola counties. Got to meet the sheriffs and the chief, and and you know you got over a thousand people coming in just for the sole purpose of backing the blue, and and so I get up and give my little spiel there for 15, 20 minutes, and then you're you're wanting to meet people. Well, there's two officers that have been shot earlier in the year as a, a male female partnership that uh, they were going after a suspected murderer out of Miami when they pulled him over. He just came out with the gun and started opened up on him, hit him both. Uh, SWAT took care of him later in the evening, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the people I know. There's a, a Lieutenant John Cute that I've gotten to be good friends with, and I said, you know, if, if given the opportunity, I, I'd really like to meet these two officers. And and uh, the, before you know it, the president of the foundation comes up to me and he says, "Hey, would you mind meeting these two officers?" I'm like, "Are, are you yeah. kidding me? You don't understand what an honor that is." And right. both of them were young. They just eager to get back on the job. The, the male officers probably got several more surgeries. His mom, I talked to his mom for a while, and uh, I think she said he's got about another dozen surgeries before he's going to be back to 100%. And, and the girl, her dad, I mean, uncles, cousins, brothers, they, they probably make up 10% of Orlando PD. But just what a freaking honor to do that. But also... Uh, I want to mention. I just I didn't realize this till today that you have a book out, Breaking Blue. I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I've uh, actually I got one of them over here on the, my, my bookcase. Uh, it's called Breaking Blue: uh, Real Life Stories of Cops Falsely Accused, and uh, it's a series of you know vignettes, short stories, interviews that I've did with cops um, across the country that were you know falsely accused of things, and and each of these stories were not 
you know, 50, 50, you know, they, they just, the cop just, it couldn't be proven that he did something wrong. It's like, man, evidence showed that this was just flat out bogus. Right. Um, right. and cause I myself was part of a, uh, an investigation that went on here back in, uh, 2004. Um, and the FBI did a corruption investigation on Tulsa police department. There were several cops that got arrested and a couple went to federal prison and my name got thrown into it and drugged through the mud. And, you know, when it was just what it was like to go through that, um, that despite anything that I said or try to show that this is full of shit, you know, the, 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 these particular prosecutors at the time were just they were all over it. They, they, I mean, I was labeled as an unindicted co-conspirator. And Jeez. so you know, I, I put a book out about it. So, well, And for all our listeners, check it out on Amazon. Again, it's Breaking Blue, Real Life Stories of Cops Falsely Accused by Sean Sticks Larkin. Um, and I just got to say here at the very end, Sean, it's, it's, uh, I got to meet the pleasure of meeting you. Javier and I met you out in Tulsa at the uh, A1 conference. Yes, sir. Um, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us because I know you were, you were, cut short for time that day i think they put you up on stage and you weren't expecting it <laughs> i was not man it was a very quick hey man i was like ah, i didn't know that was happening yeah, yeah. but uh you know thank you for persevering with us and coming on the show you you're putting law enforcement in an extremely positive light you did it through your podcast you're doing it through all your television appearances now as well as your private appearances just like going to nashville so you're setting a standard for the rest of us in blue. Uh, we're proud of what you're doing, and we we support you 110% and hope you keep doing what you're doing, brother. Hey, likewise, man. Like I said, obviously, your guys' careers are well-documented, and um, you know many youngsters want to want to follow in those footsteps. So appreciate you guys still out there grinding. Just just take just take the fish oil, grow the hair like I've got, guys, and then that's it'll well, be man. Good. I've got good. I've <laughs> you got, got it good too, hair. man. Yeah, hey, just, that's good, good, here's to both man. of you guys. Can y'all yeah. do that? <laughs> <laughs> mine's too thick. So you've got that good hair that lays down. Mine's kind of like Marge Simpson, man. It just goes. <laughs> if I grow it long, it just goes straight up. That's all it does. I got to get it cut. And even when I get cut, I will still have 10 times the amount of hair Murph does. So That's right. But let me tell you something. <laughs> See that ball spot on the back? I can polish that up. That becomes a defense mechanism. I can blind that's your it. ass if you're sneaking up on <laughs> Hey, you've got a good mustache. Away from <laughs> Thank yeah, you, brother. My ball spot. Well, hey, you look, got a good mustache. Guys, this oh, has been man. fun. Okay, don't go any where you guys hang tight everybody else stay tuned for the debrief well first of all just besides being a good dude you remember on video that room looked like a freaking vault it looked like al capone's vault for you know <laughs> That's why I ask him. Are you sitting in a liquor store doing this interview? <laughs> Holy cow! Oh, uh, but he, but he, well, he knows his stuff though, and he's got some good stuff there. We talked about that, and he, I, sh- I had a uh, Belgian beer, and he had a, uh, uh, he shared himself a uh, whiskey, I believe it was. Yeah, and I had a, a bottle of uh, Walmart water. Oh, you cheap ass! Ba- it was free, probably a free bottle of water to go with your free T-shirt. <laughs> no, I had to buy that. I had to buy the, what the water or the T-shirt? The water. Okay, <laughs> T-shirt was good. T-shirt is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, but guys, you know, and the other thing too is, like I said, he's got his own uh, series on Fox Nation, which, by the way, uh, we've got a subscription to. So I've been watching a couple of those. It's not just about cops, but it's about any, everything's on camera now, as we talked about. You know, everything's streaming. Um, mm-hmm. Everything from ring cameras and funny stuff to crime. You know, you're seeing we're catching stuff on video that a lot of people never realized was going on in their community. And it's like it was always happening. We just never knew about it. So provides a whole new layer and context to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got some weird ass neighbors. 
<laughs> well, you know, too, uh, and you probably heard it on there. Sean's got his book out, Breaking Blue. Yep. Uh, real life stories of cops falsely accused. So we'll put that on our book page. Uh, take a look at it on Amazon if you're interested. But I mean, thank you so much, Sean, for coming on the show. Or we had a blast with you, brother, and, and looking forward to seeing you the next time we're together. Yeah, and which hopefully we we uh, we're, we're trying to work out some things. Who knows what might be going on? But there's some projects in the works. But before we get to that, you know, we just got to, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get this episode out. Like I said, go check the webpage. Uh, his book will be there. Uh, check him out on Fox Nation, um, Crime Cam 24-7. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's winding down his stuff on on Patrol Live. But, uh, you know, he's doing well for himself. So well done, amigo. Well done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Proud of you. And, and we're proud that you're still promoting uh, law enforcement in the positive light where it should be. Yeah. Hey, look, he's like us. You cut us, we still bleed blue. So, um Way to go. But hey, if you guys enjoyed that episode, head on over to Apple, Spotify. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, you can rate on Spotify now, too. You can uh, leave uh, a thumbs up, you know, um, you know, and tell us about the episode. Answer a couple questions there. And also hit those five stars, though. It really does help us out. Make sure you share it with your folks. Also, head on over to GameOfCrimesPodcast.com for more about the show. That's where you'll find Sean's book. Um, it'll be listed on our book page like we do with everything. Also, follow us on that thing they call social media, at Game of Crimes on Twitter, Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But, man, join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. Like I said, we'll be recording a Q&A, and we're recording it and doing it on Sunday, Murph, because uh, you're leaving us. You're, you, you are departing. You're going. You're leaving the country. You're absconding. Yes, to a place I never thought I'd get to go to. That's Javier and I are heading over to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia here on the 12th. So this comes out on the 11th. Uh, the 12th we'll be heading over. We're speaking at a uh, an international book fair of all places. But uh, it's it's going to take us 18 hours? times as it's, I think it's the flight over. I fly up to Newark and then over to Dubai and then up to Jeddah. And then on the way back is Jeddah to Dubai and then right back to Orlando. The one from from Dubai to Orlando, sixteen hours. Yeah, I've done I've done flights similar out. flights like that too. Going to Australia and other stuff, man. It's yeah. a long time in the air, but you're at least your business class, right? Yep, yeah, they did take care of us. Uh, we thought that uh, the actor from Narcos that played me, Boyd Holbrook, was going to be there, but apparently things didn't work out. So I was looking forward to seeing him again. But you guys might want to stick around for our first episode of 2024. Yep, because you might. Really, we've got a really special guest that we're going to bring on that day, and and I might have mentioned his name. So, might have mentioned his, uh, yeah, I don't know if you remember. It's like when we were recording this intro, which episode? The one we just got through doing ten minutes ago. Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how I've got a chart here. In front of <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, Uh-oh. hey guys. But you'd like, but check us out, patreon.com slash game of crimes. We're going to be doing a lot of yep. stuff on there. Like, so we got the Q&A coming out. We've got our uh, Narcometer review. We've got our Warden of the Throne, our special stuff we do for you folks. So, but we want to thank you guys for playing along. Episode 126, uh, Sean Sticks Larkin. And thank you guys once again for playing the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the Game of Crimes. Mm-hmm.